Amen. Well, it's great to see so many people here this morning, and particularly to welcome Chesley Street. Where are you? From Chesley, stand up. I see you, you, they huddled, they huddled together for safety over here, but welcome. Now you can sit down now, that's it. But really it's good to come together to celebrate together what God is doing among us. And this morning I want to share about some of the things God has laid upon our hearts, some of the things that God is saying and leading us into, and how we need to respond to what God is saying to us. Because as we come together, we come together as a people of promise. We are here today because God has been faithful to the promises of the past. And God cannot be unfaithful, but we can choose not to live in those promises. But when we come together this morning, I just want to be, first of all, just share where things are at regarding the unit across the road. And some might think, well, isn't this a strange thing to share on a Sunday morning? But the reality is, we believe God has promised us something, and we want to lay hold of that which God has promised us, not necessarily for today, but for the future. Because we believe that God has given us an incredible future. And what we see gathered this morning... People from all over the world, many, many nations represented here this morning. It's just the down payment of what God has got for us. If this is the end, we may as well call it a day and say how lovely it was and go home and then that's it. But if we are believing God for something much bigger, if we are believing God for an outpouring of His Spirit to come and really alter this whole region, we need to be in that place where we are ready to receive that which God is adding to us. Ten years ago this month, Finney Phillips stood on the land at the side of the building opposite with a very nice stainless steel spade. He turned over some of the grass there and together we claimed that area for Jesus. Because this morning it's all about Jesus, not about Emmanuel Church as such. It's about Jesus being glorified in and through who we are in him. And Finney stood there and he turned and we prayed. And if you're anything like me, when you pray a prayer, you want the prayer to be answered at least within the next 24 hours. Anything after that, and it's a real test of your patience. But here we are, 10 years on, and we can see how God is opening up the opportunities for us to take on the unit next door. It has been a long journey. And there have been times when we've been incredibly challenged But right from the beginning, we did believe it would be a very different story than the story we had moving into this building, that the challenges would be different. So when we were granted planning permission to turn the unit opposite into a center such as this, that was an incredible provision of God and a different story because planning permission was the very last thing we got when we moved into this building. In fact, we actually bought it before we were granted planning permission. And there were those who would shake their heads and wonder how stupid you're being. And you know, when somebody says that, you think, I hope I'm not. (laughs) In faith. But it was the last thing to fall into place. And here we have, for 10 years, enjoyed this facility. Because that's all it is. It is a building that serves us. And out of this has come Chesley Street. I doubt we would have been in a position to plant out in Chesley Street unless we'd had this facility which enabled us to grow and to see incredible things happen. So last January, planning permission was granted. 
just in this last couple of months, we've been offered a mortgage by Barclays in order to purchase the unit across the road. And people have said, well, what was your business plan? We haven't got one. Well, what did you, well, we gave them a set of accounts from last year, which isn't the most positive set of accounts in all honesty. It's not, it's not what you would necessarily want to give a bank. But when they saw those accounts and they have a history with us, they basically offered us the more subject to valuation of the unit across the road there. And so we're able to look forward to what God has got to do with his next step. So we have planning permission. We have a mortgage subject to valuation. And now I need to mention the pledges many people here made some months ago. Now, how many people can't even remember making a pledge? Because what we're going to do, we're going to take a a note of all of those who can't remember, and then we're going to tell you how much you pledged, which is far more than you can afford. And then you can step out in faith. But it's ages ago, isn't it, since we asked people to pledge lump sums in order to help us buy the building across the road and start the development work. So from today, I would ask that if you made a pledge that you will start to honour that pledge. We have envelopes which will be available at the end of the meeting. Now, in future weeks, you can either put your pledge into a cheque and put it in an envelope, or there's details there how to do it with online banking. But it would be wonderful if we could move forward with this before Christmas, get all the pledges in, and then we can move forward powerfully. And if you haven't already made a pledge, perhaps you're new to us. Come and talk through what our vision is for the unit next door and to see what God is going to do among us. So we're calling it the Emmanuel Center. We're going to gather in the pledges. And then the next stage in development, once we've actually taken ownership, is the most exciting thing of all, that we are going to develop a car park. I mean, you know. But what we need to realize is that is a key step to developing the rest of the unit. Because with more car parking, we can take more business here during the week. More business here during the week makes more income. More income means we've got the resources to develop the inside of the building. So the first thing is to develop the car park. So please, after we've started the work, don't come along and express disappointment because it's only a car park. It is not only a car park. It is a first step in a vision to see that unit filled with the people of God worshipping God. It'll be a 500-seater, considerably more than we have here this morning. But we're believing God for that, looking to God to see what He's going to do among us. And some will remember the excitement that we had when we used to meet in here when there was absolutely nothing. It was an empty shell and there was great excitement because we could see what was possible. And so my hope is that at the very latest, next summer, we can have some meetings there on a Sunday morning when we can gather in there and there's just an empty warehouse and give praise to God, but visualizing what it can become in the purposes of God for us and press into God in faith. But I believe as we respond, as we honor God, as we give to God, I believe he will come perform the miracle. No one was believing for 63,000 pounds. No one. And God came and he surprised us. And that's what God does. He comes and surprises us. So in my head, we were looking towards a 
a three-year plan from taking possession of the building to seeing the thing fully developed. And then there was a prophetic word at a gathering some of us were at as elders, which suggested that we might look at not a three-year plan, but a one-year plan. And you think, ah, you get your head around a three-year plan, and then suddenly this word comes in. But the interesting thing is, when that word came, it found a place within my spirit. It wasn't one of those words that you just reject out of hand. It was one of those words which came and you go, Oh, I've got to consider this. And so together, I want us to reach into God for just speeding up of the process. And if it doesn't happen within the year, it's your fault. Yep. But how exciting to be on this journey with God and to listen to what God is saying and respond to that. But you know what is far more important than a building is the people of God who meet in the building. You know, we are the apple of God's eye. We are the, his chosen possession. We are the people of promise. That building is a means to an end. It's the sort of community we are as we occupy this or any other building. When Chesley Street, when you eventually get your, the prem, your own premises, it's the people you are in the premises which is important, not the color of the walls, although I like the color of the walls here. But that's the important thing. The people of the world are looking for a people of God who are filled with His grace and His power and a people who are living in the promises of God because as we live in the promises of God, we're living in that living relationship, not a religion. And the people of the world need to say the people who are living in a relationship with Jesus, not a people who have a religion called Christianity. And we need to press in in that relationship and say, my God... My God has promised me and he will be faithful to his promises because he already has been and he will be. Because not to be faithful to his promises is counter to who he is. He cannot deny himself. So when we read in 2 Corinthians 1.20, no matter how many promises God has made, no matter how many he has made, no matter how many we read of in the scriptures, no matter how many he's made today, no matter how many he is making to us regarding our future, they are all yes in Christ and through him the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. So every promise of God is fulfilled in Jesus and we need to be those people of Jesus walking in relationship with him day by day and saying the amen is spoken by us. To the glory of God. And that amen means so be it. It's going to happen. God promises. We say it's going to happen. We're relying upon Jesus for everything that we need to receive. And when we look at the scriptures, we see that the people of God have always been a people of promise right from the very beginning of time. Right there in the Garden of Eden, we see the Garden of Eden. Adam falls. Adam and Eve, they fall. And God comes and he gives this promise, I will put enmity, speaking to Satan here, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. That is the very first scriptural promise to the coming of the Messiah who will come and destroy the evil work, the, evil, the work of the evil one. And we could go on, but we haven't got time to look at all of the promises regarding the Saviour. We're coming up to Christmas very fast. Parents rejoice. Christmas is coming upon us very quickly. And in service after service, 
we will read these words, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders. And he will be called Mighty Counselor, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. And many people will go into a carol service, they'll follow those readings, but they don't know the one about whom these words speak. We do. And so when we read these in our carol service, when we look at the promises of God, we need to lay hold of it. It says that He will reign forever. He will reign forever. He will reign post-Brexit. He will. Brexit has not caught Jesus by surprise. Now, I can't say whether Jesus was a Remainer or a Lever. That's not where I'm going with this. But, you know, we as, a, we as Christians need to express our confidence, not in politicians to negotiate a good Brexit, but the Jesus who will reign over his kingdom forever and ever. Where is our confidence? It's got to be in Jesus. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign forever. And we are the people today who live under that reign of Jesus. We also are a people who need to look forward to the coming promises because Jesus is going to come again. And this is something, you know, that we don't actually pay a lot of attention to really. But the promises of God are that his son came and he will come again. Jesus is coming. And in Second Peter 3.13 it says, In keeping with his promise, that is the promise to fulfill his purposes and Jesus coming, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. So Peter, speaking to the people of God, said, we're looking forward and we need to be those people who are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness is, where Jesus reigns and rules totally. And as we look back to that promise in Isaiah and we look to what Peter is speaking of about the coming of Jesus, we are in that in-between time. We're living between the coming of Jesus the first time and the coming of Jesus the second time. We're in that in-between time. We've been called to a journey where we discover more of the faithfulness of God and how he outworks his promises. You know, we are in that wonderful, wonderful, privileged position. We can look back at all that we see fulfilled in Jesus and with incredible confidence look forward to all that will happen, but have the assurance today that He is in control and He is with us on this journey. And when we talk about journeys, I love the story of the Israelites in the promise, or being called to the promised land. I think there is so much in that story for us. And it has been there for an example for us to learn from their mistakes so that we might press on and in a sense not be exiled to living in the wilderness for 40 years. And as we look at the story and the unfolding of God's promises to the people of God and he calls them to this land, he is calling them onwards to a land flowing with milk and honey. He's calling them onwards to a land of plenty, a land of abundant blessing and provision, a land where people prosper in the lavish grace of God. What a calling. 
And I believe that is exactly the same calling that God has placed upon us. A land where people prosper in the lavish grace of God. A land where Jesus is glorified by all, where there are many, many lives being impacted by his presence and his power at work within them. So when we look at our promised land, it's not the building that we're meeting in, but it's the spiritual realm in which we dwell. It's not the building we're meeting in, but it is the spiritual realm in which we dwell. It's the land which is all about the community we are. And as we gather here from Chesley Street, as we gather here from Durham, as we gather here from many, many nations centered on Durham for a season, there is a prophecy that came to us some years ago now, which is, is Isaiah 54, 3 and 4. Enlarge the place of your tent, stretch your tent curtains wide, don't hold back, lengthen your cords, strengthen your stakes, for you will spread out to the right and to the left, your descendants will dispossess nations and settle in their desolate cities. That is a promise we as Emmanuel Church and both congregations embrace as a prophetic promise to, of God that we are going to spread out and God is going to do this through the miraculous working of the Spirit of God. As we cooperate with Him, we will see incredible things happen. That's a promise for today. We look to the past. We see God's faithfulness in the past. We look to the future, trusting God for all. But we live in this in-between time. We live in this time when God is and has made promises to us. And this is only one of many. We actually have some very, a very powerful prophecy about the unit opposite, about us inhabiting that, and about that will be a blessing to the nations as we, the community of God, gather there and then spread out to the nations. Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your tent curtains wide, for you will spread out to the right and to the left. Your descendants will dispossess nations and settle in their desolate cities. We are surrounded by communities without hope. And God is saying the day is going to come when you will settle in them and bring his hope and his grace into that situation. Mark DuPont prophesied that there was going to be a new Pentecost. A couple of years ago, I think it is now, when he prophesied there would be a new Pentecost. And we need to be the people who are laying hold of that promise and cooperating with God so that he comes and he's able to do mighty, mighty things as he pours out his spirit again. And we see many, many called into the kingdom of God as we read in Acts, so we need to lay hold of God again for an outpouring of His Spirit and a new Pentecost that sees revival occur. And so these are the promises we're working on, but week by week God is speaking afresh, bringing new promises in a very similar vein, but perhaps expressed in a different way. So I'm going to ask if Nigel will come, if Hannah will come, and come and share what God has put your hearts. Hannah, wakey, wakey. We're going to put, Hannah's going to share first, Nigel, so just take a seat here. Right. Um, is it on? Yeah. 
Um, so when we first started um, the church in Chesley Street, God started speaking to me quite powerfully in dreams um, about how he was going to move powerfully and how he was going to outpour his spirit in the church and into the ch- into Chesley Street. And the first dream was um, of a really big bucket like you would get in a child's swimming pool with little buckets above it and that the little the little buckets feed into the big bucket and then the big bucket gets fuller and fuller and then eventually it tips and um, the water pours out of it except in the bucket wasn't water it was um it was just full of amazing things like jewels and gold and sparkly things and you know just amazing things that you couldn't really describe and god said um the bucket is nearly tipping um and and then he gave me another dream not long after that, um, again, in a child's playground, the channels where um, water flows down the channels and there's dams and there's levers and um, you can you can stop the water flowing and you can release the water. But it wasn't water again. It was what was in the bucket. It started to flow. It tipped and it was flowing down the channels. And God said, um, I am on the, on the move. Um, and... You know, and then, so, you know, you're just like, well, well, what do I do with that? How do we do that? And then he started to speak to me quite powerfully about faith. He said, faith is the key. He said, um, he said, we need to pray for the gift of faith, for the Lion of Judah faith, to expect the impossible to happen, to live um, in, you know, in, in the supernatural in our everyday lives, to, 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 to walk with that power with us every day. Um, you know, so we can say with confidence the, wor- the, the words, you know, to him who can do far more abundantly than we can possibly ask or imagine through the power at work within us, to him be the glory. And that's what he wants us to do. And I think faith, you know, is the key. I think the channel, those channels, is our faith. You know, our faith in him. It says in Matthew, um, truly I say to you, um, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed and you say to this mountain, move from here to there, then that mountain will move. God expects us to move mountains. He can make that possible for us. And, and you know, and I just think, you know, that seems massive. How do we do that? It seems impossible. But God says, just have faith. He says, position yourselves. Um, start with the small things. So he said lots of things. He said, kneel before him. Kneel humbly and you will see things never seen before. Incline your ear to him. Read the word. That will be the bit in your mouth. Um, and listen harder because he's going he's gonna to move powerfully, you know, in our land. And this is the promise. He's talked of the promised land. He's already promised it to us. And, you know, start with the small things. God sees. I've been reading Ruth at the moment, you know, and she just speaks of her faithfulness, of her love, of her servant heart. And that it's, it's so amazing that that the part of the bigger picture that God has that she could never see, but she was faithful in what God had called her to do. And I just feel that God says, be diligent in the small things and he will make us ruler of much. Amen. Michael. Um, my wife and I um, came to Chesley Street uh, just over a year ago, and we've been coming two or three weeks, and one of the things that really hit me was the humility of the leadership there, which I thought was exceptional. And about the third week that I was going, I heard the Lord say something to me. And he said that there was going to be a revival that would center on Chesler Street 
and it would reach out to the whole of the northeast of England. Uh, I started to do some research on that, and if you look up Chesterstreet, which I didn't know anything about at the time, and look it up in Wikipedia, and it tells you there that in the 10th century, Chesterstreet was the center of Christianity mm. for the whole of the northeast of England. The first Gospels were translated into English there. And that is what I heard the word the Lord say. Uh, I was speaking to somebody else in the congregation, and they said that they had heard the same thing from God as well. And I just want to share um, something that uh, came up in the prayer and praise meeting um, two or three weeks ago. And... This is what was said. I heard the Lord say, this is the place and this is the time. You are pushing at an open door. I have gone before you to prepare a way that is straight and wide. But there is one little thing. It is a very little thing. You have to give up everything. You have to lay everything at my feet. Then you will have nothing. You will have nothing to hold you back. And with nothing to hold you back, you will be able to run into my glory. It is just a little thing. And I believe that Revival will come. It's a sovereign move of God. But it hasn't happened on the mainland of this country for 114 years. And we have to ask ourselves why. And we've heard a lot this morning about the wonderful things that the Lord has done for us and is continuing to do for us. But we've also got to look at what part we need to play in this. And that is that we've got to get before the Lord and we've got to say we will give you everything. That's what Jesus demands of us. Whether it's our home, our friends, our family, our income, our savings, whatever, it's all got to be made available to him. And I believe that when that happens... And when we've got enough people that are humbling themselves before God like that, then we will see the revival come. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Nigel. Thanks, Hannah. Now, we need to respond to what God is saying. I'm going to ask the music group to come back. I'm going to do something a little different here. Music group, if you can come back, please. And just as the music group come back, you know, I'll just say to Nigel, uh, the Chesley Street uh, leadership, they're very proud of their humility. So, I don't know how many of you have seen Hugh Jackman in The Greatest Showman. But there's one particular scene where I think he's propping up a bar and he's talking to someone. 
And he said something which really, I don't even if it's original to him, it's been said before. He said this, and this is in terms of how we respond to what Hannah and Nigel have shared with us. He said, comfort is the enemy of progress. Comfort is the enemy of progress. If we feel comfortable and quite content with what we have, why would God bother? You find a people who are eager to receive more from Him. We need to be that people, as we've been challenged to respond in faith, as we've been challenged to position ourselves to receive all that God has got for us. We need to be those who are aware that the enemy will seek to use comfort to distract us, that we might settle and not continue to pioneer in the things that God has laid before us. Every one of us has that temptation to settle. Let's be those people who provoke one another into reaching into God for the more and more that he has for us. You can twiddle. Someone came to Jesus and said, what's the greatest commandment? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God. He didn't leave it there, did he? He didn't say, I just want you to have an attempt at loving the Lord your God. He said, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind. All of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind. And as we read that, we find there is no room for apathy there. There is no room for that. Oh, I can't be bothered today. Jesus is saying, look, this is the first and greatest commandment. Love the Lord with everything you have, everything you are, and then God will come and do the miracles. We cannot afford to settle for what we have now, which is good. We need to press in to the best that God has got for us. Let's stand. Because I want to, just close your eyes, because I want to present two weapons that God has given us. One I'm quite happy with and the other I'm not. Because the first weapon, and we can each make a response in our own hearts here, the first weapon God has given us is prayer. Because the things that we've been talking about, the vision that God has revealed to us, it's not simply achieved through hard work. It's, it's achieved through prayer, calling upon God, where we express our total and utter reliance upon Him. We give everything to Him, and He comes in and responds to us with the most amazing blessings. That first Pentecost took place in the context of prayer. They were gathered together, and God comes with the power of the Spirit. And he blows the thing apart, and they're out there on the streets. And in that first day, 3,000 souls are added to the church. Colossians 4, 2 says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. So right where you are, I want you to just ask yourself, how do you progress in your prayer life? And it will be different for each one of us. But no matter how long we've been a Christian, how mature we are as a Christian, there still is another step. How do you develop your prayer life? Just 
Allow that question to sink within your spirits. And the second thing is this, and this is the one I struggle with, and if I were to be writing the Bible, I would not include this. Or I would include it with an extra letter. Because it's fasting. I wish it had been feasting. But it's prayer and fasting. And looking through the book of Acts, where we read of the most remarkable outpourings of the Spirit of God, not once, but again and again and again, it's as they are worshipping and fasting, as they are praying and fasting. And as elders, we've agreed that we are fasting as we get together on a Friday. We used to get together and eat, but now we've agreed. And because we've all agreed, it's you can't be the odd one out, which is such a shame. You can't sneak a biscuit into the room. But again, I would ask you to consider, how do you respond to the fasting, to the call to fasting? And you can only begin from where you are. I'm not asking people to take huge, huge steps, unrealistic steps. I believe God is far more interested in each one of us taking one realistic step today than promising to take a hundred unrealistic ones which will never be fulfilled. What's the one step He wants from us? Prayer and fasting. Weapons in the armory that God has given as we fight on this journey to take and enter into the promised land that He has given to us. Let's worship.